Hey, good morning, RCC. Pastor Ben here. We are so excited that you're joining us for Church Online as we dive into week four of our current teaching series called Living Hope. Now, before we dive into our text this morning, I, I just want to share a few wins that have been happening in the life of our church. Uh, even though we're, we're scattered, people are still taking next steps uh, on their journey with Jesus, which is really great. Uh, we, we set up a way for our family, our church family, to write letters to folks that are in the nursing home, just a simple way to encourage them. We've had over 17 families step up and do that. Uh, if you would like to write a letter to uh, a, a resident in a nursing home in our local community, we'd encourage you to jump on our website at rccsalem.com slash church online. It's the first tab that you'll see when you jump on to our website. Um, man, I've been blown away by the level of care that you have given our church. Uh, I had a great conversation with our life group leaders this past week, and it's just remarkable to see the level of care that our leaders are continually uh, trying to provide uh, our groups. It's pretty incredible. Here's one photo. Here's one photo of one of our student life groups that met and posted online. Check this out. Man, I love, I love that. I love the, um, the connectivity that we're still searching for and striving towards even as a church. I also want to thank you before we jump into our sermon today for the financial generosity that you've shown uh, our church. We, we have a weekly budget of just over $11,000. And through your generosity, we are able to maintain stride. So uh, as, as your pastor, I just want to simply say thank you. Uh, if you have not set up your uh, online account, we'd encourage you to go to our giving page at rccsalem.com giving, and you could set that up today. Or if you'd like to mail in your offering gift to our physical location, you can do that as well at 2 Keyway and Drive right here in Salem, New Hampshire. Now, last week we talked about this idea of um, our, our church being spread out. And we talked about this idea that even in the first century, Peter's audience was spread out all throughout Rome. They weren't back home in Jerusalem. And so we, we can kind of go there emotionally with this sort of sense that we, we can connect with Peter's audience that though we are in our homes, we still feel scattered. And our big idea last week was simply this, that though the church is scattered, we are not off-centered because Jesus is our cornerstone. And we talked about the importance of that because the cornerstone was the first stone that would be laid when putting a foundation together for a structure in the first century. And so what I'd like to do today is talk about the second half of 1 Peter chapter 2, because there's something else that we're named. Last week we talked about we are God's church, that Jesus is, is building or, or, or rebuilding one person at a time, not with brick or mortar. But then he also uh, tells us that we are also something else, which may or may not be a surprise to you. So week four, we're talking about this idea of living hope and helping people move towards hope. What I'd like for you to do right now is in our comment section, uh, here's what I want you to comment. What is the one thing that you wanted to be when you grew up? Like when you were a little kid, what was the job you wanted to do when you grew up? 
Uh, many of you have given some pretty incredible answers all week, uh, this past week when I asked the question, but I just want you to take a moment right now and comment in our uh, comment feed the one job that you wanted to be, or maybe you had several jobs that you wanted to be. Go ahead and comment that, and let's see what you guys come up with. I, I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio, the birthplace of Major League Baseball. The Cincinnati Reds were the first team uh, in Major League Baseball. I'm kind of missing baseball, truth be told, right now. And I wanted to be a catcher for the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, I, my, my dad grew up in the era of the big red machine, and Johnny Bench was one of my favorite players. I, I loved going to the ball field. I loved playing baseball when I was a kid, but then reality set in. I realized as I grew up that the, the, the dream was aspirational, but I didn't think that um, I was actually going to be able to do it. And then when at about age 17, I went to a conference that Christ and Youth hosts for Christian churches around the country in the summer. It's called Move. And it was during Move that uh, God really got a hold of my heart. And for the first time in my life, my friends were talking about stuff that they were really struggling with at a really deep level. And the only language that I had was I just wanted to help them. And it was there that I decided that I wanted to go into ministry and to be a full-time pastor. Now, hold on to that question. Hold on to that thought. We're going to come back to that. If you have your Bibles this morning or if you've downloaded the Bible app, I'd encourage you to go with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, Peter tells us, what we are, even though we are exiled and scattered right now. This is what he says. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You're, you are a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Did you catch what Peter told you that you are? Simply put, Peter says, you are a priest. I'll let that sink in for a second. That's right. Maybe you're watching online in the comfort of your own home and your couch and you're in pajamas with your favorite coffee mug, drink, drinking your favorite coffee, and maybe you just spit that out because I just told you that you are a priest. And you might be thinking, Ben, you are, you're crazy. Like, what, what do you mean that I'm a priest? I, I, I didn't go to divinity school. Uh, I didn't study for the ministry. How in the world could I be a priest? Well, Peter's going to talk about that in our text this morning and help us work through that this morning. And the first thing that I want to say uh, to our church this morning is simply this. As priests, we are called by God to love a people into hope. We are called by God to love people or a people into hope. In Hebrews 5, 1 through 4, the writer talks about 
how a priest comes to be. And what I'd like to do with our time this morning is talk about how Jesus is our high priest and how he qualifies us to be priests or part of what Peter's talking about, to be part of the priesthood of believers. In Hebrews 5, 1 through 4, the writer writes these words. Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God. And you might be thinking like, I don't represent anybody towards God. That, that's what pastors and ministers do, right? He said, he continues to offer gifts of sa- and sacrifices for sins. He's able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and going astray since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins, as well as for the sins of the people. And no one takes this honor on himself, but he receives it when he is called by God, just as Aaron was. To be a priest means that you are called by God. Now, you might be thinking, well, I I don't feel compelled or called by God to be a priest, so I'm not a priest. But hold on a second. In 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter tells us that every follower of Jesus has already been called by God. In 1 Peter 1, 2, Peter writes, you have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ, sprinkled with his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. The same way a priest was called to go into the ministry, so too are Christians when they are called by God to receive his grace and to receive his salvation. To put it simply, we would say that when we step out of the baptistry, we then step in to ministry. You are a priest, part of a greater community that Peter calls the priesthood of believers. Friends, when God calls a church to move, he calls them to move towards hope. And I just want to simply and lovingly and pastorally remind you of your calling. To remind yourself, even in this season of quarantine, to remind yourself of when you first fell in love with your God, when he called you to repentance, when he called you to salvation, when he called you to baptism. You were called by Jesus to be one of his followers. And to be a follower of Jesus is to participate in ministry, which is the work of Jesus, building the kingdom of God. Secondly, friends, we're called to be sacrifices of hope. Now, the high priest or the priest would have very interesting roles in the Old Testament. They would receive the sacrifices from the Israelite community. They would have to offer them those sacrifices to God on behalf of the people. In Numbers 35, 33 through 34, Uh, we get an interesting scripture of what happens when a high priest is really not on the up and up. In Numbers 35, 33 through 34, we read these words. Do not pollute the land where you are. 
bloodshed pollutes the land, and atonement cannot be made for the land on which blood has been shed, except by the blood of the one who shed it. Do not defile the land where you live and where I dwell, for I, the Lord, dwell among the Israelites. Now, here's something that you may or may not know. In the Old Testament, if you committed a crime and you could escape that country or that land and make it to another country or another piece of land, sometimes those countries were considered sort of sanctuary uh, towns, sanctuary cities, and safe places, meaning if you made it to those towns, you could not be arrested. You could not be uh, uh, prosecuted, taken to jail, found guilty or innocent, uh, and possibly serve a sentence. But when the high priest offers a sacrifice, and he's not on the up and up, because we just read even the high priest, right? Even people in ministry are humans, and we too are subject to weakness, right? If the high priest is not on the up and up, and he offers that sacrifice in the Holy of Holies, sometimes God would strike him dead. And so it took the death of a priest to release a captor, to release someone to move back to where he could be tried and prosecuted. Now, watch what happens with Jesus, our high priest. In Hebrews 9, 12 through 14, the writer says this, he did not enter by means of the blood of goat and calves. Let's talk about Jesus. But Jesus entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more than Will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? Now, here's what's incredible about our high priest, Jesus. Jesus offers himself as a sacrifice once and for all. And if he does that, and the Father approves of his sacrifice, then humanity has the opportunity to come back into a relationship with God. And this was prophesied even in the Old Testament. In Isaiah 61.1, the writer says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Now listen to this. To proclaim freedom for what? For who? For the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Did you catch that? He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Jesus, our high priest, goes to the cross and invites us to come out of hiding. He is the final high priest that humanity would need and because he went to the cross and died for the, the sins of the world, for, your, for yours and for mine, we are, as the Old Testament say, we would be captives that would have been set free. 
that Jesus not only paid the penalty of our sin, but also served the life sentence of our sin. So we are still guilty of our sin. God's not a, God's not a chump. We can't play God because Jesus went to the cross on our behalf to die for our sin, to pay for the penalty of our sin, but he also served the sentence that should have been handed down to us, which would have been, should have been life without the possibility of parole. And because our high priest goes to the cross, and as the writer says in Hebrews, enters the Holy of Holies for the last time, it's an invitation for everybody to come out of hiding. And friends, as, as, as priests and being priests of the world priesthood, as, as Peter describes, we get a front row seat into life transformation. Let me show you. In Romans 12, 1, Paul says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So we said at the top of this that we're called to be sacrifices of hope. Now, there's something really interesting about the wordplay that Peter and the New Testament writers use against the Old Testament view of a sacrifice. You see, in the Old Testament, sacrifices were brought to God for forgiveness of sin. Kind of makes sense. Your family brings a sacrifice, an animal, sends it to the high priest. They offer it as a sacrifice for your sin, and everything's good to go. In the New Testament, a sacrifice walks away from God because they're empowered by his grace. There's a subtle difference in the language of the Hebrew and the Greek. In the Old Testament, a sacrifice was brought to God for forgiveness of sin. But because Jesus is our ultimate sacrifice, he went to the cross on our behalf for our sin. The sacrifice we give to God is not something we bring to him. That's already been settled by his son, Jesus. Our sacrifice is walking away from the cross after we've received salvation to be a sacrifice, to be a beacon of hope to other people and laying down our lives for other people. Friends, we get to be priests. We get to be part of this larger community that Peter calls the priesthood of believers. Friends, when God calls a church to move, he calls them to move towards hope. Here's the third thing that a priest would do that we've been invited to do as well. We're called to be intercessors of hope. In Hebrews 7, 24 through 25, the writer says, but Jesus, but because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those whom come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Now, that should be hopefully really encouraging to you because what the writer is saying is that our high priest, Jesus, after he goes to the cross, dies for our sins, is resurrected on Easter Sunday, you know, ascends back up into heaven, he's still praying for us on our behalf. And notice what the writer in Hebrews 7, 24 through 25 says. He has a permanent priesthood. So we don't have to wonder 
on our journey with Jesus if God will forgive us this time, if, if God's love is going to miss us this time. Scripture clearly tells us that our high priest, our God Jesus, went to the cross, rose again, and is praying for us even right now in heaven. And we can bank on that from wherever you're at right now in your journey with Jesus to 20, 30, 50 years down the road because this priesthood that we're a part of, it's everlasting, it's permanent, it's that eternal life language that the New Testament writers use and Jesus himself talks about. We can have confidence in our prayer life because we know that Jesus is interceding for us. And intercessory prayer is that very idea that we would pray to the Father on behalf of somebody else. Or in other words, we would make an appointment to meet with God, to pray for our neighbors, our friends, our family, the medical community, our teachers, our doctors. It's an opportunity for us as priests, part of Jesus's permanent priesthood, to pray for other people. Yeah, I know, even while we're exiled, even while our schedules are thrown out the door, even while we don't have our sense of home and normal rhythms right now. So let me ask you this question. Who are you interceding for during this season? Who are you praying for during this season? Here's the deal, friends. Every priest belongs to a community of people. We would say that would be um, the church. And so we're asking the question, who are you praying for here at church? And then also, a priest also represents a group of people, right? And so there's this tension of, we belong to a group of people in the local church we go to, but we also represent other people. I mean, we represent the people that we go to church with, for sure. But then there's people outside of our faith community, right? People that aren't followers of Jesus, people that are trying to make sense of this reality that we're all in now, and Jesus isn't. They're cornerstone. Of those people, who are you interceding for? And who are you praying for? Friends, when God calls a church to move, he calls them to move towards hope. And as a priest, and for you as a priest, we get to move towards hope by praying for other people, even in the midst of this pandemic, even in the midst of being quarantine. That's what we get to do because Jesus is our high priest who set up the permanent priesthood that he will forever always be praying for us and that we can forever always be praying for those who are on our hearts. Who is on your heart during the season? And maybe you haven't thought about that. And so I'd encourage you to take some time today, next week, to say, Lord, who are some people that I need to be praying about or be praying for and allow yourself some time to sit there and don't feel compelled to write names of people that you're really close to. That, that's easy. But allow yourself some time to sit and be with God and let the Spirit maybe bring up some names. We get to do this as part of 
Jesus's permanent priesthood. It's incredible what Jesus has for us even after our salvation, right friends? And here's the fourth and final thing I'd like to call us to. We are called to use our all-access pass. We have an all-access pass to God as followers of Jesus and as being part of the priesthood of believers. In Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, the writer says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest, talking about Jesus, who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we, pro- we uh, profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. You see, Jesus is like, other high priests in that he has weaknesses. He is human. He, he could sin. He, he could give in to temptation, but he's unlike any other priest in scripture, any other priest that we may know even today, and that he does not give into his weaknesses, that he lived a perfect life on our behalf to die for our sins. He was tempted in every way, just as we are, but he did not sin. Then the writer says this, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Isn't that incredible that Jesus makes God accessible to us? That our high priest Jesus went to the cross, rose again, And because of our salvation, we receive that free gift. We have a VIP, all access pass to the Father. Now, if you were a Jew in the first century, your mind would be blown at this moment. Because the reality I just told you is this. Not only, not only could you bring a sacrifice now to God, right? Not only could you give it to the high priest, but Jesus is our high priest. And not only could you give your sacrifice to the high priest, but he is giving you the tour of the Holy of Holies, which was reserved only for a high priest. If anybody else in the Old Testament went inside the Holy of Holies to offer a sacrifice, you would die immediately. But because Jesus is our high priest, who died on the cross for our sins and rose again three days later, we have a full access pass to be in the presence of God. Friends, as you're watching this, I don't know um, what you think about when you think about God, if you think about God. But let me tell you this. If you're not a Jesus follower and you're watching this, I want you to know, as Peter tells his audience, that God is approachable that God has made himself available through his son, Jesus. And even the most sacred and holiest of uh, buildings built in the Old Testament that only the elite could go through, you now, you now have access to that. And so my my pastoral encouragement to you and, and to all of us would be this, to use the access that we have towards God through the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus. Hebrews 10:19 simply says, "Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, let's 
do it. Let's do it. As we close out our time together, I just simply want to ask this question. What do you sense your next step is in your journey with Jesus? Uh, If you know definitively, great. If you're not really sure, but you're sensing you want to talk to somebody, that's incredible. I'd encourage you to do one or two things. Leave a comment in our comment section or visit us at rccsalem.com slash next steps. And we would love to reach out to you. We'd love to come alongside you and help you in your journey with Jesus, even in the midst of a global pandemic, even in the midst of being quarantined and having all of what we thought were our rights taken away from us. You see, church, we have an incredible responsibility as members of the priesthood, right? We have access to the Father. We can pray for our friends, and we can be an extension of the gospel. That wonderful salvation that we accepted, we can take that to our friends and family, even in a time of crisis. You see, friends, when God calls a church to move, he calls them, he calls us, to move towards hope. And as agents of his permanent priesthood, we get to be hope, even in the midst of a pandemic. And that might look differently right now. There are restrictions to that. But let me encourage you, friends, today to be talking about this with your family. What does it look like to know that I am a member of the royal priesthood the permanent priesthood that Jesus set up as an agent of hope, of living hope. What does it look like for me to live that out this week? How can I encourage maybe one person this week uh, in their journey with Jesus or maybe to start their journey with Jesus for the very first time?